what are the top five sins that lead to demonic obsession or demonic possession? Today, I'm joined with an expert who's written books on this and has worked with some of the top exorcists in the world on demonic possession. We're going to talk about those top five sins and a bunch of other fascinating topics as it pertains to the demonic and God's power over expelling the demonic. Dr. Dan Schneider. Marshall, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. What are the top five sins leading to possession? Okay, so let's, let, me, let me clarify. Yep. And let us distinguish, as, as the beloved Thomas would say. So in the introduction to the book, uh, Father Ribberger gives some statistics, so it's not a spoiler alert, but the year that he tracked statistics, the last year he tracked statistically those who came to the church for help, it was less than one-tenth of one percent were actual possession. So These are people coming saying, not, I have a demon, I'm possessed. When you actually get in and do diagnostics and talk to them, right? one-tenth of a percent? A half of a percent. Half a percent. Yeah, okay. three out of 600 were actual <sighs> possession. So it's very rare, but the devil wants to give you, uh, he wants to take charge and credit for everything. And so most people can self-deliver through just the good, clean living of their, of their faith. So, so, but there are certain patterns. The demon is probably the most predictable uh, 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 creature in the cosmos in terms of how he patterns. And there's certain things that he looks for. And, and, and so whether they're holding points, entry points, or blockages to grace. And, and what we mean by blockages, uh, we call obex or obesi, multiple obexes. Um, these are, these, are the, these are occlusions that block grace from flowing into the soul. We as Catholics believe that, that the normal avenue of grace flows into the world in the ordinary way through seven principal means. And those are the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church. So reorienting the soul, right? The, the, we have to begin with the definition of, of liberation. Liberation is reconciliation with God the Father through Jesus Christ in and through the sacraments. And so that's our focus, returning. Otherwise, we can fall into white magic, Father Morth says. If we, if we look for, for quick ways, shortcuts, workarounds, we have, to, we have to look to get grace open to the soul. And so we, we have to identify those areas where either the enemy has entered, he's holding, right? Or we're allowing him there. So, so um, back to your original question, because you and I have PhDs. And if you, if, you know the book that says, if you give a mouse a cookie, then you got to give them milk and you give them. Yeah. So anyway, you ask a question of you. Right. Then we got, we go into multiple directions. Right. So going back to your five. What's there? We start with number one. Number one, the most, this the is biggest the, one. Not in order of precedence here. Not in order of precedence, but this is the most common. Okay. I'll give you the most common. All right. Number one is occult practices. Mm. Uh, dabbling in the occult. Right. Um, so, so occult means hidden. And so we have, when, when, you, when, when you participate in occult activity, you create an open door to the diabolic. Right. And so um, part of discernment, if you give it a working definition of Catholic discernment, is knowing clean from unclean. Mm. You know, this is something that I've, that I've learned uh, uh, studying with Father Ribberger and his, his longtime assistant, Father, I mean, uh, Mr. Kyle Clement. Discerning clean from unclean, clean from unclean sexual practices, clean from unclean speech, clean from unclean thinking, clean from unclean habits, clean from unclean liturgy, if you will, clean from unclean prayer. And so occult practices are, are un, very unclean practices. It goes all the way back to, to, to the giving of the Decalogue. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he, he, he says to those who hate me, I will curse of the third and fourth and the fifth generation. And so then he tells you what to hate God means. And, it, and he lists off the abominable practices of false worship, of worshiping false deities. 
uh, uh, and in Psalm 96.5, the, de- the gods of the Gentiles are demons. And so occult activity is, is any activity we do that gives false worship or honor to other than the true living and only God. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, Ouija boards, yes, but also drawing a pentagram on, on the ground and soaking yourself in pig's blood and right. jumping into it. We've seen everything in, in between. Yeah. Certain I mean, so, so what are some of the occult practices? Because I think a lot of people will think, oh, that's harmless. It's no big deal. It's kind of fun or whatever. But when you say occult practices, can you give us a few examples? Yeah. Well, first of all, the demon only works in the objective, although he drives us into the subject. He's only in the objective, meaning uh, the, the working definition of the demon, according to Father Ribberger, is a lawyer from hell. Mm. So he knows the rules and he wants to drive us to know, not know the rules. That's why it's important to, to know the rules of engagement. In the manual, I use um, Roger's Rules for Rangers. I found my old Ro- Army mm-hmm. Ranger uh, handbook when I was trying to write this book. And I thought, this is perfect. The very first rule, every range of Roger's Rules for Rangers, every ranger is, is and rangers still use this today, Every ranger is bound by the rules and articles of war. And so, and so the demon knows the rules of engagement and we, need, and we don't know them very well. Uh, in Revelation 12, for example, the devil sits before the throne of God day and night accusing the brethren. And what's he accusing us of? All those violations, objective violations. So he's going to drive us to the subjective. Well, I didn't know. I didn't realize that this was bad. Or I didn't really mean it. You know, what if the priest uh, says mass and he gets the giggles? Right. And, 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 and subjectively, he's distracted or doesn't even believe. Objectively, it still takes place. Right. So the objective, the objectivity. Right. So someone could say, well, I did this satanic ritual because it was like I was with my friends and I thought it'd be fun. But objectively, the Satan, Satan looks at that and he's like, you opened the portal. We're coming we're in, coming in, whether given no matter permission. what you were thinking about it. Right. Objectively, you created a portal by right. A baptized soul belongs to God. Mm-hmm. The baptized soul belongs to Jesus Christ by right, but we can give permissions. And so there's a whole host of ways. And we're living in a uh, really, uh, uh, you know, if you remember President Obama said that we're, we are no longer Christian. We're a post-Christian nation. Mm. To be post-Christian by, by definition is to be neo-pagan. Yeah. We're becoming neo-pagan again. Mm. And so this is a list. So you mentioned, you mentioned Ouija board, tarot cards. We see these often. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, Father Bamante was the former president of the International Association of Exorcists. He says uh, um, um, that extraordinary diabolic activity, we've got to be clear, because ordinary diabolic activity is temptation. It's like when I was in the army, I was going through the chow line, being a good Yankee from Ohio, going through the chow line, whenever I got to that white, disgusting looking substance, I would say, I don't want any cream of wheat. And the, the chow sergeant would always say, it's not cream of wheat, it's grits. And I say, I don't want any grits. And they plop it on your plate and said, it just comes with it. You know? yeah. It comes with a Southern breakfast. So temptation comes with part of being part of fallen humanity. But we're talking about the extraordinary. We're talking about obsession, oppression, and possession. Extraordinary activity of the devil. And so here's what Father Bamante says. Um, and he says that these things are the result of one's own culpability because it's interaction. The demon says, oh, I remember you. Remember that thing we did? You and I partied together, mm. right? So here's some of these says, superstition and occult practices, such as participation or even being present at sessions with psychics or fortune tellers, use of amulets, talismans, recourse to medians, sorcerers, witches, tarot card readers, uh, having attempted any of these on your own. 
Um, certain meditation trans techniques like transcendental meditation, Reiki, opening oneself to chakras or new age practices. This is this is what Father Amorth, not, I'm sorry, Father Bamantes. Submitting oneself to spiritual cleansing, being present at Voodoo, Makamba, or other rituals. Membership in secret societies and satanic groups. Like Freemasons. Freemasonry and, and other, other such groups. In addition, there are what he calls alienating, alienating vices, such as alcohol abuse, drugs, sexual perversion, and blasphemy. Such activity, he says, weaken the individual, open him up to the devil's extraordinary activity. So mm -hmm. any kind of cheap, going to cheap, clairvoyants, channelers, santeros, satanic cold, spirit guys, horoscopes, occult games, all this stuff offers honor to other than the true God. And yeah. it goes all the way back to, to God's self-revelation at Sinai when he, yeah. when he, when he revealed himself in, 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 in this fashion, um, he, he was very clear about what false worship does and, and, and he calls it hatred of God. And these bring about open doors to the enemy in your right. life. That's the big one. Well, what about palm reading? Did I, I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in there, palm in, reading. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, well, my friend does Reiki, so I let them do it on me. Or I was at a party and like, let's read your, your palm or let's do a tarot reading. And I was just kind of going along with the group. But what you're saying is, objectively speaking, you are opening this portal yeah. to the demonic, even if you just think, even if you don't even believe in it, like oh, I'll do the Ouija board just to be cool or fit in or you did it. You did it and it op it's an open door. Okay. It doesn't mean that it's deterministic. It's going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't mean if you do these things, you are possessed. It's probably not important not to say, but it's important that we, that we confess it as, as a violation yeah. of the first commandment. Right. You shall honor no false gods. Right. Tell me. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, this is why that, this is a big one. And again, we have to distinguish between right and privilege or permissions. By right, the baptized soul belongs to God. Right. The soul has been marked with indelible mark of baptism and, and, is, and, is, and it is Christic, if you will. Mm -hmm. The sign of the cross, it marks, it's indelible, it's forever by, by right. But we offer permissions. Yep. So whenever we participate, what he calls these alienating, uh, 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 I mean, so you have the, the primary ones and the alienating vices that exacerbate it. So, so you can create a vulnerability um, through, through alcohol abuse, sexual perversion, blasphemy. Yeah. These are other things that, that create it. But yeah. primarily, these violations are the, are the big one that, that we see. Okay. So before we go to sin number two on demonic interference possession, people watching this right now are like, Man, I when I was 13 years old, I did the Ouija board, or I've been going to Reiki, or you know, I didn't really realize how serious a palm rating was. What do you? Are those people possessed? What do they do? They're watching this right now, and they're like, "Oh man, guilty." That's the great, the great grace of of uh, of, of the Catholic faith is to go to confession, name it for what it is, and confess it. But uh, I think what if they're not Catholic? Become Catholic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the great reasons yeah. to become a Catholic. Yeah. Is like you said, Christ has instituted these seven sacraments for the entire human experience. And so after our baptism, after our initial conversion, we do fall. And Christ knew that would happen. And so he instituted a means in John chapter 20. Whoever's sins you forgive, they are forgiven. He told the apostles, of course, all forgiveness comes through Jesus. Christ, because he's the mediator, he's the God-man, the Redeemer. 
but he has deputized his apostles on earth and the successors of the apostles to reach into every single century since then and bring about this sacramental power. Yeah. And again, just as you can objectively do these things that open up satanic entry and portals that Jesus is instituting the church, these means, but to objectively bring about absolution, right. forgiveness, restoration. It's an objective response yes. to an objective. Opening. Exactly. And that's one of my favorite reasons, favorite things about being a Catholic. Yeah. Is that th that is there. So Ambrose, St. Ambrose in one of his uh, letters of catechetical letters for, 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 uh, um, uh, those being preparation for baptism. He says, when you look at the priest, don't judge him by his outward appearance. Um, Ambrose was in the what late 300s. Mm -hmm. He was, he was the spiritual father to Augustine. He's when he yep. evangelized St. Augustine. He says, do not look at his appearance, his spatiae, which is the outward form. Look at his, consider his munus. His yeah. office, yes. his office. And he says, he says, and look what he has been given and what he will give you. I want you to see Peter. I want you to see Paul. He said, I even want you to see Elijah mm. who calls fire down from heaven. And so the munus is, you know, when Jesus goes out on his first day on, on evangelization and Mark's gospel, he, he does three things. He drives out demons, he preaches, he drives out demons and he heals. Those are the threefold office of the ordained priesthood. Right. The tria munra, we call it. The munus regende, to rule over the evil spirits. The munus sanctificande, to sanctify, to heal. We see this principally through the sacraments. Mm -hmm. All sacraments, in a sense, are sacraments of healing. Uh, 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 and, and, and then the munus docende, to teach. Yes. So, so to teach, to, to, to preach, to, to, to heal, and to drive out demons. And so I can just tell you from sitting in sessions, uh, the demon doesn't even notice the lay people. He'll notice the husband. The husband's there because the husband has authority over the, over the woman. Right. He knows the priest, right. but he doesn't care. You and I are there. Oh, oh, gee, uh, Taylor Marshall's a Thomas. He's got his PhD. Right. He doesn't care. Wow, I'm really nervous about that. He looks at me. Oh, wow. Dan reads the New Testament in Greek. Yeah. That's impressive. Right. He doesn't, we don't hit the radar unless we're dirty. If, if, we, have, if we have sin on us, that sometimes the, 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 the demon will notice the individual. But he watches the priest because of the authority. The, this is Peter. This is Paul. Right. This is Elijah, the call fire down from heaven. Mm. And, so, and so when there's an institutional element like that, the institutional response of the church is often required. And that, and that means sacramental response, reconciling through that. And so confessing it. And I've heard, I've heard you know, non-Catholics say, well, I, I, I don't need to confess my sins to a man. I keep telling, I go straight to God. Okay. I don't need to confess my sins to man. I keep going straight to God. Okay. I don't need to, you know, and I, and I always come back with Shakespeare. He thinks the man protests too much. Yeah. There's no better feeling of, of grace, uh, of power, of intimacy to hear the words of the priest. Yeah. In persona Christi, the person of Christ, I absolve you. Yeah. So I wipe them away. Right. It's Christ that speaks. Right. It goes, this goes back to the beginning of our understanding of the, of the yeah. priesthood. So we fight an ancient enemy and the ancient weapons are best. Right. And I mean, you think about for people who are like, well, that's not in the Bible. I go for the Bible. Read John chapter 20, verses 19 through 24. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. He comes to the apostles. He breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. And you just have to ask yourself, that's in the Bible. Is that true or false? Yeah. 
We agree that Jesus is the Redeemer, but he is deputizing, he is giving authority, he's giving munis in Latin office to these apostles to declare and to absolve the forgiveness of sins. That was a gift he gave the church. The Catholic Church believes that gift is still active. That munis, that office is still active. So I would, if, if you're watching this, you're not Catholic, I would say become Catholic. We've had many cases um, that liberation doesn't take place with this fiery session and, and you know, what you picture in Hollywood, which was just right. totally off, you know. Um, but you have seen someone climb up a wall. Yeah. All, yes. all that stuff happens. Right. And Father Rupert was asked by someone in Hollywood, um, um, they, they, were, they were discussing how Hollywood portrays exorcism and, and the person from Hollywood said, the father said, why don't you show how it really is? And he says, because it's too, it would be too terrifying, too scary for people to see. Wow. But it's also holy. It's also holy to see the instrumentality because and technically when, when Jesus says, who sins you forgive, it's, he uses the, 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 the past participle have already been forgiven. Yeah. Perfect past participle. It's the church's instrumentality. And the thing is that, is that the occultists know this. They know what we would call academically, you would call inanimate agency of, of inanimate agency of the divine or of cosmic power. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, so how, how inanimate things can convey power. We know this. Like when, sacramentals, it, holy water. Well, and then, and you remember the Jews, they go into battle and they have the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. That's an inanimate object, but it's bringing the power of God to the yeah. battle. They knew that and it was true. Yeah. Yeah, because it was where the ark was, that's where victory was. Exactly. Right? And who's the new ark of the new covenant? We'll get into the later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, where the ark was, it became instrumental, right? Uh, a cause out the ca instrumental causality of the presence of God. And so, and so everything that, that the enemy does is a, is it's a ritualistic interpretation, but it's very liturgical yeah. for the most part. Fascinating. So, yeah, it's very fascinating. Yeah. So, so going back to the very first base commandment, you shall love the Lord thy God mm -hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. You should have no false gods. And so, interactive. So, the working with the, with it, and it, people dabbling in witchcraft is and dabbling is a funny word. Oh, I dabbled in witchcraft. Okay. <laughs> right. I dabbled. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm kind of pregnant. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean, either did or you didn't. Yeah. You know? So, so this is very key: is is confessing it, being specific in prayer, confessing it, right. and closing that door. Yeah. And then. Oftentimes, again, this is Catholic theology. You have the, the you have a you have a twofold effect of sin. It says in the Catechism, and, and we we have the the spiritual effect, and then the temporal effect and the temporal punishment due to sin. So oftentimes, when someone has participated in a lifestyle that is contrary to the to the truth, um, confessing it is very important, but also doing penance, making satisfaction. Yeah. When Jesus went. And in Mark nine, he comes down the mountain. He gets revealed as the son to the apostles. They go down the mountain. There's a father whose son is possessed. Yes. And it says, how long has this been going on? And the Greek is ad paideothane. Jerome translates it ab infantia, since his infancy, since he was a little teeny feller, we'd say in Ohio. And so, and then Jesus drives him out. They ask him, why could we not drive him out? And he says, this genos in Greek, this type can only come out through prayer and fasting. So there's sometimes there's going to be bodily satisfaction and penance and atonement made, made for that. So that's kind of the, the twofold way to undo and, and, and take back uh, the privileges and permissions you've given away. Sin number two. Okay. Leading to demonic obsession, possession. 
Sin number two. Number one was occult practices, getting into demonic witchcraft, sorcery, etc. Yeah. Number two. Yeah, I got a whole list on those. You can you can buy the book and you can there we go. Them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, sin number two. It's this one of the alienating vices uh, that um, Father Bomonti talks about, and that sexual perversion. In most cases uh, of of uh, that we see high level, you know, um, there's some some sexual deviancy. Some sexual deviancy. The demon holds to that sexual de- sexual deviancy. Um, this is this. If you ever want to, uh, um, you know, sometimes you feel pretty good. I'm doing pretty good in spiritual life. You know, hanging in there, man. I'm good. You know, shooting for purgatory. You know, you hear Catholics say right. that. Read Saint Alphonsus Liguori, and uh, and it'll it, it'll make you it'll make you start doing penance for yeah. your, for your past. See, he calls uh, now Saint Alphonsus Liguori is a doctor of the church and and. Um, you know, one of the voices of moral theology besides St. Thomas, and, and he's a modern voice for moral theology. Um, he calls impurity hell's widest gate. He says, we now have to speak of the fourth gate of hell, which is impurity or sexual sins. It is by this gate that the greater number of the damned enter. Some will say that it is a trifling sin. Is it a trifling sin? He says it is a mortal sin. Remember, St. John says that there are sins that are mortal and those that are not mortal, 1 John 5. Mortal kills the life of God in the soul. It is a mortal sin. St. Antoninus writes that such is the nauseousness of this sin that the devils themselves cannot endure it. Moreover, the doctors of the church say that certain demons who have been superior to the rest, remembering their ancient dignity, disdain temptings to so loathsome of sin. Even some of the, the higher angels are just disgusted to lead us to the sexual temptations and this gross impurity, deviancy. Consider how disgusting he must be to God, who, the sinner, like a dog, ever returning to his vomit, wallowing like a pig in the stinking mire of this accursed vice. The impure say, moreover, God has compassion. Here's that objectivity. The demon works in the subject, objective and drives us to the subjective. So here's what Afonso says. God has compassion on us who are subject to this vice because he knows that we are flesh. What do you say? God has compassion on this vice, but you must know that the most horrible chastisements with which God has ever visited the earth has been drawn down by this vice. St. Jerome says this is the only sin of which we read that God caused to re- that it caused God to repent of having made man, for all flesh became corrupted. Genesis 6, 6-12. And so it is, says St. Jerome, that there is no such sin which God punishes so rigorously upon the earth as this, since he once sent fire from heaven upon five cities and consume their inhabitants, Sodom and Gomorrah. You say God has compassion upon men subject to the sin, but this sin is the one that sends most souls to hell. St. Remigius says that the greater number of the damned are in hell through this vice. St. Bernard and St. Isidore say the human race is brought under the power of the devil more by lust than all other vices. You start seeing the powder. No one is obstinate. No one is so obstinate in sin as the impure, says St. Thomas of Villanova. Moreover, this vice deprives one of all light, for the impure man becomes so blind that almost holy, that as almost holy to forget God, says St. Says Lawrence Justinian, which is in accordance with God said by the prophet Hosea, etc. Um, from your thoughts proceed words, and from those words, actions. So you see the, you see the impurity. Um, Another doctor of the church, Saint Saint uh, um, well, Thomas talks about sister vices, vices and daughter vices. Saint Gregory the Great, it, it, Thomas talks about the, the the primary the primary 
vices, the, the capital sins, um, as the generals, and they have auxiliary forces, you know. And so this is what St. Gregory says, that there's that when the demon, the general of lust is, enters the soul. And this is interesting. You think about our pornographic culture. So, so these are the secondary vices, secondary vices, the daughter vices. These are the companion vices. There's eight of them, St. Saint Gregory says. Blindness of mind. So when impurity enters the soul, blindness of mind. We think about our culture. Now, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, the bulk of pornography was consumed by men and some women. Now I've read statistics that is closer to 50-50. I don't know if you've seen that. But, but the high use of pornography. And here's the effects. Blindness of mind, thoughtlessness, inconsiderate to others, inconstancy. Inability to control emotions, thought in relation to the events of life. So blindness to mind, thoughtlessness, inconstancy, and the lack of control of the emotions. Yeah, it sounds like our culture. It sounds like our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Rashness, right? Mm. Um, behaving too quickly or rashly without thinking, right? Just do it. That's our culture. You be you, mm. right? Self-love, right? Selfie, right? Everybody's doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Self-love. Hatred of God. This goes back to what, 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 um, um, uh, who's the last mine? Oh, St. Alphonsus, I'm going to say Augustine. St. Alphonsus. Self-love, hatred of God, love of this world, affection for the present world, and over-attachment to the things of this world. So love of this world and despair, the last one, despair of the future. Mm. So, so we see the, so you have this primary vice, which is wicked, but then the secondary vices. So we have to militate against all of them. Against the, the, you know, you can't just fight the, the, you know, when we were in Iraq, you couldn't just go straight to the tanks. You have to go through the light infantry and the cavalry first. Mm -hmm. So you have to work through these other forces before you even get to them. But you militate against the big one and the weak and the, the, the auxiliary vices as well. Yeah. If you think about it, when you when you're engaged in sexual deviancy or, you know, given over to lust, you're becoming less like the image of God mm -hmm. with an intellect and a free will. And you're becoming more like the animals. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, when you, when you hunt deer, the best time to hunt deer right now is the rut. Yeah. The rut is when the testosterone in the deer is through the roof. The does, the females are in estrus. And like normally throughout the year, a deer won't, he, he sees you, he's off. But during the rut, they'll like run right up to humans. Like they, their minds are, their memory, everything is yeah. kind of obliterated. Same thing, if you're living by lust, you aren't living with the intellect and the free will. You're living in accord to the lower appetites. That puts you in the same level as dogs, cats, monkeys, right? And the gift that God given, given us is, is you're in the image and likeness of God. That is your intellect and your free will. So that makes sense, right? You are, by being engaged in sexual deviancy, you are turning away from the greatest natural gift that God gave us, which is our intellect and our will, which of course, grace builds on nature. So if you're turning away from the nat conformity to God's nature, natural law, you're going to be turning away from grace. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. And, and so we're driven post fall. We're driven. St. Augustine said towards those things that were once rightly ordered, towards preservation of species, right? Food, sex, sleep, drink. Um, and we're now, the effect of the fall still remains that we're, we have a disordered use towards that, which is why, uh, again, the, 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 the work 
of, of chastising the body. You know, we've lost this in the, even in the new calendar. You know, we, we, you know we're going to be able to go to Christmas. And most of us are going between now and New Year's, we're going to gain 15 pounds, you know. And then we're not going to do anything about it until last Wednesday. And that morning, we're going to go, uh, what I should I do for what Lent? What should I do for Lent? Yeah. And it'll last until about Monday, and then it's gone. And the old calendar, right? And the traditional calendar, you have Ember Day, Rogation Day. So you have little bursts to yes. remind you, you better get your body under Every Friday, right. penance. Every Friday should be a day of penance. You know, uh, um, when I returned to traditional Catholicism, I started giving up meat on Fridays. Yes. It was hard. It's harder than you think, especially yeah. for meat eaters like you and I. Right. You know, you're in Texas, man. This yeah. is the land of meat. I'm an Ohio boy, man. Meat and taters. So making those small little sacrifices, because if you can't control those small little appetites, right. you'll never be able to control the primary appetite, the, the, the sexual appetite. So we see a lot of sexual agency in, 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 in cases, and, mm. and there's a lot of disorder, and, and that needs to be, and it needs to be um, tempered. Through prayer. Again, it's, it's, this type comes out through prayer and fasting. I had a priest call me once. I'm sorry. Oh. No, I, I just, uh, we've been saying the word sexual deviancy, sexual deviancy. I, I think we need to maybe clarify that. I mean, are we talking about just promiscuity, sex before marriage? Are we talking sodomy, orgies? Like everything. Yeah. All the above. Masturbation, All the above. pornography. Yeah. yeah. Contraception. Yeah. Any violation of the marital act. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And is there anything that's like, I mean, is it the deeper and worse you go on that spectrum? Is the more open you are to demonic possession? Yes, because, I mean, Father Ripperger points out that one mortal sin is sufficient for possession, but God is very merciful. So it's very, not very common. Right. But over time, these are the two sins that I've seen. Now, remember, I was a fighter, and you always, you always throw multiple punches. You don't knock a guy out with one punch. It's always the one-two, you know? Yep. The one-two is always that 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 occult practice, violation of the first commandment, worship of other gods, whether knowingly or not, whether d deliberate or not, the second is the sixth commandment, the, the violation yep. of sexual purity. You know, some some form of sexual deviancy. So those two seem to be where it sinks in the most. These are the most common yep. that we see. And and um, well, again, I, I, I mentioned there was a priest that called me and he said, I'm dealing with this one guy. He was he did this ritual and he did this and he did that and. Uh, and he just get all and all the details. He's getting into the weeds, and I and he goes, "What should I? What prayer should I pray?" That's the thing. We're always looking for that secret prayer, you know. And I said, "I don't know." He goes, "I mean, you don't know. You wrote the book on this stuff. You're supposed to know." I said, "I don't know, man." But I, I said, "Father, but there was this Jewish carpenter that was also an exorcist. Started off as very a public ministry doing exorcisms, and he said that this type only comes out through prayer and fasting." And he said, "Wow." I'm fasting so much, my clerics are falling off me. I'm, I, I'm losing weight and, and I'm getting no movement. And I said, Father, I'm not talking about him, on you. I'm talking about the guy. You know, we have to make satisfaction. We've lost mm -hmm. this. It's in the catechism. Temporal right. satisfaction, the temporal punishment due to sin. You know, if, if, if after this interview, I get frustrated and, oh, I was so mad. Dr. Marshall was too. He made me mad. And I, and I go out there and I smash the windows in your studio, right? Yeah. And then I huff off because I'm this hot-headed Irishman, you know? Right. And then I, a couple hours later, I'm like, dang it. I probably shouldn't have done that. And I come back and I said, you know, you're my friend. I apologize for that. And, I, and, I, and, and, and you're a good Christian man. And I ask you to forgive me. And you're a good Christian man. I forgive you. I forgive you, brother. Okay. I'm going to take off now. What are you going to say? I don't think so. I forgive you, but before you leave, you might want to get that checkbook out. 
because someone's got to make satisfaction. <laughs> For the so windows, the broken that. windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. that's, that's the logic. We know this. In the that's church. very Catholic. It's very Catholic. It's very Catholic. Yeah. I, th- that, yes, there is forgiveness, but then there's also making things right. Right. And God calls us to do both. Yeah. Now, there's some sins you commit that, you know, you can't just buy a new window. You know, if you go and detract and ruin someone's name, there's not enough advertisements that you can put in all the newspapers to restore that person's name. Right. Yeah. But God still says you need to be penitent. You need to bring forth the fruits of repentance yeah. to to bring God's kingdom as righteousness into this world. Thy kingdom come, they will be done. So. Yes, we are forgiven, we're baptized, we believe, we repent, we go to confession, but we also have this idea of doing good works, doing penance, and you could call that paying for the broken window. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're like thinking, well, Jesus did 50% and I do 50%. Jesus does all of it. Yeah. He's a hundred percent our savior, but he also gives us grace and says, take up your cross and follow me. And that means that we have to carry the cross and these burdens and we have to make thy kingdom come in this world. And I, I think that's a very attractive element to Catholicism. When I was a Protestant, we didn't have that. And, and when you become Catholic, you know, that just makes sense. Justice demands that we, we make restitution even though we are forgiven. Yeah, and this is the deep waters of Catholic spirituality. Understanding um, objective versus subjective redemption. Understanding our participation in the mystery of Christ and his suffering. St. Paul himself says in Colossians 1.24, I make up what's lacking in my body. I make up what's lacking in my suffering. I rejoice in my suffering. I make up what's lacking in my body. What's In my body, I make up what's lacking in the suffering Christ's body of the church. Right. Philippians 1.29. Which Christ didn't lack anything. Didn't lack anything. He said it's finished, right? Yeah. Jesus was 100% perfect in his life and in his death and his resurrection. And Paul's saying, making up what's lacking. What could be lacking? The application. Yeah. The distribution of the grace. Yes. See, he invites our participation, right. not because he's needy. Uh, Pius Twelfth cites as I, I probably have it written down in my in my I, I quoted him in the book. Yeah, let me read the quote so I don't misquote him. Um, Pius Twelfth says that it's not, it's not that God is in need of this, but he, he wants our participation yes. in the distribution of graces. This is part of the ordinary aspect. Yeah, God could send an angel for each individual on earth and give a perfect yeah. gospel presentation. Right. To each person, but he doesn't. He chooses to use these broken right. human us yeah. to be the means by which other people come to know him. Yeah. I don't, it, it, it's amazing he does that, but that's how he chooses. Here's Pius XII, Mystici Corporis. He says, moreover, our Savior doesn't rule the church directly in a visible manner. Uh, as our Savior does not rule in a visible he wills to be helped by the ministers of his body in carrying out the work of redemption. We're talking about that instrumentality of the church. Right. You know, um, so the, the instrumentality in a visible manner, he wills to be obeyed, helped by the members of his body in carrying out the work of redemption. That is not because he is indigent and weak, but rather because he has so willed it for the greater glory of his spotless spouse. Dying on the cross, he left to his church the immense treasury of redemption towards which she contributed nothing. But when those graces come to be distributed, not only does he share his work of sanctification with his church, but he wills that in some way it be due to her action. This is a deep mystery and an inexhaustible subject of meditation that the salvation of many depends upon the prayers and voluntary penances which the members of the mystical body of Jesus Christ offer for this intention and on the cooperation of pastors of souls and the faithful, especially fathers and mothers of family, of families 
a cooperation which they must offer to our divine Savior as though they were his associates. So he, he wills our participation. Right. And he, he, he gives three conditions on discipleship, if you wish to be my disciple. And, and, and if you look at the, the, the Greek construct, um, it implies threefold ongoing and perpetual condition. Deny yourself perpetually, ongoing, daily. P- pick up your cross and follow. Yeah. These are the, these are the, and we have to ask ourselves, how am I denying myself daily? That's a hard question. Yeah. And, that, and that's why there's little mortifications. Cause if I can't mortify the temperature of my shower, cause if right. you fail what, 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 um, um, San Jose Maria Escriba calls the, the heroic moment, you know, right. when the alarm goes off, do you fail it? Is the first act of the day an act of effeminacy mm. that I don't, I don't pop out of the sack and get started. Do I feel sorry for myself? And I doubt. Yeah. Oh, I need a little more sleep, you know? And the second, I would add the second heroic moment is the shower. Do right. I turn it into my day spa? You know what I mean? <laughs> Do I have to get the extra, extra hot water? You know, are you willing to mortify those little things? If you can't mortify those right. little teeny things. Or not eating meat not on eating a meat Friday. Friday. It's very simple. Or on an ember day. Or on a vigil. On a vigil. Yeah. You know, because the demon responds to the liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. He responds to our, our, our liturgical calendar. Yep. And so he, he knows that these ember days are very important. These are powerful days for exorcisms. Yeah. When you're doing so, so many exorcists will try to have scheduled prayer sessions on those days. Mm. Yeah. So, so the second one is, is, is sexual impurity, sexual impurity. And so we do that. Um, we participate and we help to break that through mortification. Here's another one. St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein. She says, when someone desires to suffer, it is not merely a pious reminder of the suffering of the Lord. Voluntary expiatory suffering is what truly and really unites one to the Lord intimately. This is because, she said, Christ the head effects expiation in these members of his mystical body who put themselves, body and soul, at his disposal for carrying out his work of redemption. So, so we, if you think, go back, let's go back even to the, the creation of the angels. When an, when an angel was created and fallen, this goes back to Bonaventure and, and, and some of the Gregory, some of the doctors of the church, Thomas. And an angel received a beatific vision. He sees God. He sees himself in light of God. He is revealed the, the plan of salvation, culminating in the incarnation, God becoming man. And then he's given his role in the, in the salvation, in salvation history. What choir, what he's, how he's going to serve the incarnation, the blessed mother, the church. And the fallen angels following Lucifer, according to the typology from, from Ezekiel and, and, and other prophets, non-servium. I will not serve a God that takes a form lower than me. So the essence of the diabolic, in a sense, is the rejection of, the, of a willingness to voluntarily suffer, to take a task beneath them, beneath them, to take, to take a task that, to, to offer themselves up and sacrifice for the incarnation. I will not serve a God that takes a form lower than me. So the essence of the fall of a fallen angel or the demon is this brokenness, this inability to suffer. Yep. And so when we suffer and voluntary, this is a, this is a theological phrase, voluntary expiatory suffering, meaning out of my own will, I offer this up. Yep. Expiatory means it's for the satisfaction of sins, whether I'm offering up for my own satisfaction or offering my sins up for the suffering for the world, for the church, for the purification of the church, for my pastor, for my bishop. Yeah. You know, these are, these are critical elements of spiritual combat. We don't see this. We don't hear this. This is the most, this is the most unpopular topic in the world to talk about is suffering. 
And so, but this is what most unites us to Christ. And when we, when we, we're working cases through by the end, I'm telling you, even if they're possessed, they're oftentimes the holiest person in the room because they've, they've united their suffering to Christ so much that, that they've done satisfaction for their sins and they now become a, 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 an instrument of grace for the world to pour out into the world. Wow. Amazing. Okay. So that's two. That's two. We got five sins All right. leading, got- to, leading to possession, demonic infestation. So number one, occult practices. Don't do them. Throw away your Ouija board. No palm readings. Get rid of that garbage. You don't need it in your house. Get it out of your house. Make your house. Here's the thing. What if I just have like a decorative Buddha on my mantle? That's okay, right? right? Yeah. Right? Psalm 96, 5. Yeah. The gods of the Gentiles are demons. demons. So get rid of the Buddha. Get rid of get rid of, of, of the dream catcher. You know? Right. Because, you know, the dream catcher is supposed to catch evil spirits and keep your dreams. Right. Why not pray the guardian angel prayer before you go? Exactly. Right. Get rid of the, 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 the Cocopelli. Right. What's a cocapelli? Cocapelli is another Native American symbol. It's a god of date rape, basically. Oh. Sprinkle, you know, sprinkle sedatives and, and the god of seduction and date rape. You can look this stuff up. Don't do that. We'll put this stuff in our homes. We that, put- that right there has got occult and sexual deviancy. Yeah. So, so we, 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 we put in our homes these things because they're culturally cute. Right. But we won't put in a, a picture of the woman who bore our Savior. Yeah. We won't put a crucifix on the wall, the sign of our salvation. Right. You know, the saints, well, you know, we won't put a picture of, of, our, of the saints who've gone before us. Yeah. I, I've been shocked when you go to people's house and they're like, oh, they're like Christian. You're like, they identify as Christian. You go in and like, you see, it's just like stylish. They have like a Buddha. Yeah. In their backyard or in the house. And you're just like, yeah. Why? Yeah. Especially if you don't even see a cross or anything. You're like, you say you're Christian, but if I, came in your house as an investigator, I would say this person is a Buddhist. Yeah. It's just it's odd. Humans. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, again. Or people won't go to church to, or read the Bible to discern God's will in their life, but they'll go to a tarot card ceremony or a seance or a palm reading yeah. to find it, it. It It's it's a darkened understanding. And what's interesting, you, you make a good point, is that many of the cases that we deal with, and again, let's be clear, on and 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 the model we work with, Father Ripker and Libra Cristo, the lay associates do catechetical work. We we walk, we're, we're mentor couples that walk with the individuals as they work through the process, getting to, to be prayed over, preparing them for prayer, not just rushing in and gunslinging, right. getting them ready for prayer. This is this book is part of just the preparation for prayer. Yeah, this is basically a deep deep dive gentle confession um but but the the this the, the offering the self-offering uh and sac and the offering and sacrifice and suffering is a very critical point that that all the cases that i learned to walk through yeah okay all right so sin number three the third one the third one again the third is a little subtle but the third one is unforgiveness unforgiveness <laughs> Initially, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. Yeah, it's like no big deal. Yeah. You're like, okay, going to a seance, uh, baptizing myself in pig's blood. Yeah, yeah. Invoking the dark Lord. That sounds really evil and sinful. Uh, Being in some crazy orgy, that sounds really sinful. But unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. That's number three. Yeah. Why does Satan attach himself to that? I think what we have, and we, I fleshed this out in the book. This is something that Father has developed as a background as a Thomistic, intimistic psychology, but also uh, Kyle Clement has really, really hammered this home over the years of experience. 
and I've condensed it down and I've seen this again and again in dealing with it as mentoring people through these, these, these difficulties that they're going through. Um, we can create what's, what, what, what we call the psychological compatibility with the demon, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So if you can see, you know, you, you watch cops, right? I used to watch cops. Uh, it's kind of a neat show. Um, and, and, and they'll, they'll show, uh, um, they'll show like a, an abusive, whatever call it is, a 1021 or whatever. Jesse knows the nomenclature, a, a, a domestic violence. And you'll see, you'll see the cops will be showing up, they'll be rolling up. There'll be the, 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 the bum over here, the baby daddy. You see her, she's all messed up. She's got a shiner and the furniture's all thrown out. Obviously there was an altercation here and the cops show up nine times out of 10. What do you see? Don't take him away. I love him. Right. I, I, it was my fault. And he, I didn't, he said, oh, I didn't do anything. Once you, we're good. This is my home and we're good, you know? And so the cops take him away. And what happens? He goes, he spends the night down in jail, right? He comes back and he says, why didn't you call the popo on me? And he gives her the biggest beating <laughs> there is, you know? You know, because, because they still got this psychological enmeshment. Right. So what's happening? In the yeah, her brokenness feeds into his brokenness and back, back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. So if you understand how that works, now if you could put on another layer of lenses, it's kind of like the the old biology back you know, when you would lay down the layering of the frog, you know, the yep. skeletal system. Mm-hmm. The next layer, if you could see the layer going dimensionally upward and outward in the in the cosmos. This, the evil spirits in the air are also manipulating. They're attracted in this way and vertically and laterally down into the couple. So what's animating them behind the scenes is happening in the diabolic realm. So there's a, there's a psychological enmeshment with this person this way, but also going with an attractiveness to the evil spirit. Right. And if you want to talk about, again, the evil spirit by their nature rejects, they, they understand completely what, what vicarious atonement means, but they reject it. They also uh, are bound in an existential state of unforgiveness. They have the ultimate father wound, if you will. The demon. The demon. Does. Yeah, because the demon used to be an angel. Like, yeah. 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 And so even even having, uh, uh, when you see the reaction of the Tadeum, you know, you're familiar with the Tadeum. Yeah, it's, it's the, a hymn. It's a hymn that remembers, it's the chant of the choirs before the throne of God. Right. You know, and the angels have fallen. These fallen angels have gone from standing before the throne of the living God. Yeah. To this guy. Yeah. You know. Well, it, it reminds me of, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Jesus gave us one prayer that is the prayer. We say it at every sacrifice of the Mass. We pray it in the Rosary. It is literally the breath of the Christian is the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against as, us. As we forgive. Yes. It is built in to the Christian message, the Christian prayer life to forgive. And I have to say, it's hard to forgive people. Yeah. You know, and I have to, sometimes I'll have thoughts, even though I've forgiven certain people, I have thoughts and memories and I will have to just take a moment and talk to God and work through the forgiveness again. Yeah. Right. Cause there's still like pain or damage there, but we as Christians, we must forgive. And it seems like if you're not going to forgive, you can't pray the Our Father. And if you can't pray the Our Father, how are you even connected with Jesus as Savior? Yeah. And the demons, like you're saying, that that is an entry point. Yeah. 
total ancient point. If you, if you look at Luke's gospel, the Our Father of the Lord's Prayer in Luke's gospel, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as in give us day our daily bread. It skips that middle phrase, thy will be done. And it, Luke transposes it to the garden seat where Jesus says, not my will, but thy will be right. done. In the perfect literary chiasmic center of the garden scene right. highlights that point, thy will be done, right. not my will. So Luke's not trying to omit he's not trying doctrine. To omit. He's trying, he's resituating it. He's, he's contextualizing. You want to know the ultimate prayer. Yeah, thy will it's be done. It's the prayer of, of Jesus' prayer of surrender in the garden to what the Father wills. Right. Right. And so, and so who are we to, un, to not to hold forgiveness, unforgiving towards other? I can just tell you, we're dealing with cases, and, and they're all tied in together, by the way. They're all there. Mm-hmm. All these things are interlinked. Right. In, in, in curses, for example, one of the things that keeps a curse that, that kind of keeps pounding away uh, on somebody it holds to when, when there's a, a really high level of unforgiveness in the person. Mm. In every case of possession we see, everyone, there's some unforgiveness there, whether it's unforgiveness of God, mm. right? Uh, what does that mean? Because God doesn't sin. So yeah. what, what is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 you're right. They, but they feel, uh, again, the demon projects. Right. How could a loving God let you have suffered this? Right. How did this, if he loves you so much, how did you, how did he let you suffer this sexual abuse? So let's say somebody was sexually abused. There might be, I, I, I refuse to, to forgive the person who forgave me. So until that unforgiveness is gone, the demon's going to hold there. And so we have a lot of exorcists and people, they think we just got to come up with the right prayer. No, they've got to unpack that. They've got to forgive as the father has forgiven. Right? They, have to, mm-hmm. they have to pray for that. They have to work through that because then that psychological trauma, that wound, it, the, the demon's going to hold there. And so, so they, could, they could still be holding on to unforgiveness of someone who's hurt them. Unforgiveness of God. Um, how did you let this happen to me? They project to God because right. God is perfect. He has nothing that we have to forgive him for. So, so, but they project, the demon is projecting this perceived right. hurt by God. And then unfor- the most common is unforgiveness of self. How did this happen? Was I so stupid? I should have never. They can't forgive themselves. Another form of kind of pride, you know. Right. And and so we we talk about the difference the difference between trauma and violence. Trauma is subjective, and and violence is 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 objective. Christ suffered with violence on the cross, but he suffered no trauma, and that and that's by this definition. Right. It's in that psychological trauma. Right, that we either become bitter or better through our suffering. How many people have you, have you talked to that suffered tremendous things, and after they've worked through it, they say it's the best thing that ever happened? No, yeah, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. That's a mystery, but they very impressive people say that. Very impressive people. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah, yeah. So, so they suffer this trauma. This is why I use as an example in the book. I use Maria Saint Maria Goretti, mm. who suffered violence, but she dies praying, "Don't do this to me." Don't endanger your soul. You're committing a mortal sin. She died preserving her chastity and she died praying for him. And she surrendered her life and died preserving chastity, praying for his soul, Alessandro, who later converts. Right. And her own mother was present. Uh, and he and her sat with, I, right, if I, Alessandro sat with her, her mother, I believe, yes. at the canonization of St. Marie Grimaldi. Yeah. And so... We, that's, this is what the saints are great. They're, they're examples for this because we're either, now this is language picked up from, 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 from Kyle Clement. He says we're either at ad hominem 
or we're, we're, we're at Orientum, right? So when traumatic things happen to us, when violence happens to us, when, when life happens, we either, especially these dark things, these bad things, we either turn inward. Ad hominem is a, is, it's, it's a philosophical phrase, meaning an inward towards, towards the self, an emotional subjective response. Or in this trauma, we turn ad orientum. Yeah. You know, we know this, this yeah. to the east, to the to Christ. Rising sun. The rising sun. You 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 either you either turn inward on yourself and it becomes poisonous, or you turn outward to Christ. When you turn outward to Christ, you're close to liberation. But the, to the extent that you turn inward, unforgiveness holds is a holding point right there. Unforgiveness a, a, a blue collar definition of unforgiveness is taking poison and waiting for the other guy to die. Right. I'm gonna show you. Right. Marshall. Yeah. I'm gonna suck down this poison. Yeah. And I'm just gonna wait for you. Right. And then I'm gonna slowly fall yeah. and dead. Yeah. It kills ourselves. It does. Yeah. But so it's but it's so prevalent among among uh, 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 Christians among everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning to turn it, it, it ties back into the previous discussion on suffering. Yeah. And the third this third one unforgiveness. I think the popular understanding of demons and possession is. Oh, I got possessed. Yeah. Or I, or I did a Ouija, we're now possessed. And then the exorcist comes in and he says the prayer in Latin and shakes the crucifix. And now you're unpossessed. And now I can go back to my life. Yes. And, and what, I'm, what I'm hearing from you, particularly in this third point, is the psychology of the person obsessed or afflicted or possessed by a demon is integral to understanding all of this, yeah. right? Because demons are are attracted and then take hold based on human behavior and human patterns, right? Right. It, it, it's not just a I got possessed. Yeah, yeah. I just somebody, this devil made me do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the I was devil. In New York City. And they sneezed on me. Yeah. yeah no, and the devil or the devil made me do it. Oh, yeah. The Geraldine. The Geraldine. The devil made me do it. There is this interaction between the person and the demon and the demon. It's almost like if you watch like an advanced rock climber, you know, they're moving up this face of this rock and they're looking at every place. Oh, I can put three fingers here and I can put a toe here and now I'm up another two feet. Yeah, And they're studying. They're strong and they're agile, but they're also studying the face of that rock and looking for how they have mobility. Yeah to map their body onto that rock. And, and that's what the demon's doing. Yeah, He's Ooh, looking for those contours in the human. And that's how he makes his grips yeah. and his movement up. Yeah. 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 yeah this is fat. That's fascinating. It really yes. is because that's what attracts him. That's the, the, the psychological compatibility. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, when we work with cases, part of the, again, part of the, the work we do is, is intellectual and you have to get separation. We, we, you, you know, part of the, 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 there's, there's six phases to, to liberation and a key phase in the mental in the middle, um, is separation. It's like a fighter. You remember Mike Tyson, when he was a fighter, when he was, when he was a heavyweight champ, the, 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 the style to beat Mike was they would punch, punch, grab, punch, punch, grab. And so they would score a couple punches and they would just wrap him up. And so Mike Tyson had the ability to do a six inch punch 
he didn't need much separation, but he, he could do a six inch punch and knock guys out. You could, yeah. you could some of his greatest knockouts, the, 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 he only needed this much space because it's so much force, but he needed separation. He had to push back, drop the right leg, throw the uppercut. He needed just a little bit of separation. You need that separation and in and, and, and the spiritual realm, that separation is moral, right? So you, you, if, you're, if you're ensconced in, in mortal sin, habitual venial sin, the demon's gonna hold there mm. and psychological. Where are those areas of trauma that I haven't? And this is why mental prayer, you know, we don't when this isn't under our five or part of the, these are the problems. The solution is mental prayer mm-hmm. it, because in mental prayer, you we need to, to define mental prayer. Yeah. Yeah. You, because the, yeah. no offense, but the Jesuits have kind of screwed it up. Well, and then I think a lot of people, uh, Catholic or not Catholic, yeah. they don't even know what that is. So, yeah, exactly. so can you do a one minute yeah, yeah. definition? Mental prayer is the engagement, use it, the using of the imagination. In, in a meditative form um, um, towards an object of the faith, whether it's the words of Christ, imagining your, yourself at the, uh, at the feet of Jesus uh, with Mary Magdalene, listening to Jesus speak, imagining yourself at the wedding feast of Cana. Right. You're mentally entering into the words and deeds of, of Christ. Right. And you're spending time. It isn't this yeah. magical thing where you put your thumb in your belly button. Right. And, oh, oh, yeah, meditation. Oh, like oh, the Eastern, Eastern meditation is like emptying the mind. Right. This is bringing the mind into the truths of God, redemptive history, and being present in that and let that letting that wash over you and clean you and purify you. Right. And, the, the and Catholics, all every Catholic needs to be doing this. Right. This is what we're right. called to do. Now, I, I mentioned the Jesuits and the, the, they, they use the word contemplation for meditation. And they'll use they, they have different kind of terminology. Right. But then in the I, I work more with the, the Benedictine and the Carmelite Augustinian. So med, meditative prayer or mental prayer. Um, it, so that's why the rosary is mental prayer. Lexi, we call Lexio Divino, sacred reading, reading of scripture, but slowly meditating and prayerfully going over the word of God. Because this is why it's important, um, and this is the significance of, of Father Ripperger's contribution to this field, and that is to mystic psychology. Yeah. It's the imagination. You have to learn how to control the imagination. If the imagination is filled with those images, mm-hmm. right, the images of that hurt you, of the abusive moment, of your own self-destructive behavior, in the imagination, if, if that's where you're holding, that I mean, if, if you're stuck there, the demon holds there. So we were at a presentation. Uh, Doc, Dr. Joe Lipitsky is one of the the uh, um, mental health professionals that's on the consultative team with Father Bridberger. He gave a presentation to our teams last year. It's fascinating. Here's what he said. Um, he said that he differentiated between a front brain and a back brain. Now, I'm, I'm a doctor, but not the guy, that kind of doctor. I'm slightly above Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. you know? so, uh, um, so, so, so front brain and back brain. So back brain is big concepts. Back brain is, is, um, um, big ideas and the demon wants to hold us in the back brain. Um, it's always going to be this way. Mm. You were so stupid in doing that. Why were you thinking you're unworthy? Your, your God cannot possibly forgive you for this. He wants to hold us in the back brain. The front brain is is engaged, cogitative, detailed thinking. Okay, what we're doing right here. Yep. Detailed cogitation, and this is what this 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 this, this uh, uh, medical professional, Saidi, um, says. That sixty seconds of front brain engagement, cogitative work. It could be on anything. Cogitative work um, has the equivalent effect on the brain, according to this doctor, of. Uh, 
one dose of anti-anxiety or anti-depression uh, meds, 60 seconds of anything. So, um, so, right. the, the, so the power of the human brain is so, to heal itself. So play chess, yes. have a profound conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so have a, just going deep, detailed studies on something, 60 seconds. Now imagine that that's true physiologically. Now, when you're working through scripture and you're meditating on the life and the words of Christ, you're engaging the imagination. You're now developing custody of the mm, imagination. Yes. This is the, this is that what the, the emotions and the memory, this is where, this is where the spiritual battle takes place. We all we always want to focus on the, the, the carnal and, and you know, all these other things. Yeah, mm. of course. But this is where the real battle takes place because it's in that construct, the emotions, the memory. That's the data set that the demon has to work with. That's the, the Betty White moment, if you will. You know, the Betty White commercials, you're not yourself when you're hungry. And it shows Betty White playing tackle football with these guys, right. complaining. You know, he can project and distort those memories. And, and so this is where a key element of the battle takes place. So you have to purify those memories. You have to purify the memory. And, the, and, and you do that through, through use of the imagination. It only comes through the engagement of the, that faculty in meditative prayer. Yeah. This is very key. Now, this is later in the book. The early part of the book, and before you do the book, we have our protocol, the first phase, and you can get it in the app store. It's a 30-day set regimen, kind of like Exodus 90. It's kind of a PX90 for the soul, if you will. And it's a set discipline of prayer. A withdrawal from the world, a, a media fast, withdrawal back out of the world, and you're only reading, you can read, I tell them, you can read anything you want. This is our, I don't tell them, but this is our protocol. You can read anything you want, so long as it's today's mass readings. You know, yeah. back in the day when, when our parents were right. young, you could buy, when you bought a car, you could get any color of car you want, so long as you pick green or black. Yeah, you know? right. And so any readings you want, so long as today's mass readings. So you yeah. get, get them engaged in like Scripture. You know, in Scripture so, from the beginning. So yeah. they're starting to lay the foundation. But here's what we found. The demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers yes. themselves. Like, we want this magic prayer to be done. Give me it in my little McDonald's package so I can be demon-free and go back to a semi-pagan, semi-Christian life. God wants all of you. Right. He doesn't just want you. He wants your wife. He wants your children. He wants your siblings. He wants your parents. He wants their whole family. So, and you might have to suffer to bring them on. And part of that is imposing order. The imposition of order is critical. So once you have the order placed, here's what St. Catherine of Siena, who was a doctor of the Catholic Church, she says, every Christian should pray at least 30 minutes a day. She said, unless you're busy. And then you should pray for an hour. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we have to, you start, there's, and we've got to understand, going back to the, going back to the basics, there's three ty- basic types of prayer. Vocal prayer, you know, praying the divine office. I prayed the vigils this morning, and, you know, prayed the rosary already today. Uh, I prayed prayers that I have in this book from Father Gripper's book on deliverance for the laity, deliverance prayers, vocal prayer. Then there's uh, meditative prayer or mental prayer. And so engaging the imagination. And then contemplative prayer. We like to go straight to the contemplative prayer. But between right. me- mental prayer and me- contemplative prayer, there's a lot of suffering. Okay, mm-hmm. But you've got to lay the discipline. So laying the, the foundation. Again, the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. And now when we do mental prayer, we start to gain custody of the imagination. Yeah. And this is where we 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 can grow in true growing and holding it and not you know so so that that is very key in in learning to to catch the clean from unclean 
projected thoughts. Yeah. And so, so very key, very key, key, key is, is that. And, and um, unforgiveness is right there. And so you have to rework the imagination that's embedded. What Father Ripper calls the data set is what the enemy has access to. You know, he doesn't have access. My data set is different than yours. Your experience, I, I will never have a distorted memory or fond memory of, of saying mass. Like yeah. you, you did as, as a, as a, well, fake, fake mass, mass but yeah. you still have uh, yeah, bricks, yeah. you right. know, uh, oh, you know, it's yeah. all different. Um, so you're not going to have projections or thoughts of, of deserts and dogs and combat right. and it's just different experiences. And so learning to get custody, you can start to control the imagination and start using imagination and prayer because then now we're starting to compete and pray as the angels pray Yeah. through say Thomas talks about, he calls it illumination or projection. That's how they project to us. And the demon works in the same way. Yeah. So one of the ways we, we, we call it the judo prayer. This is something that Kyle came up with. It's a beautiful prayer. It's very simple. We had this big theory of voluntary expiatory atonement, right? And we sum it up in the blue collar terms. It's the judo prayer. And it goes like this. Lord, I'm experiencing X, unforgiveness, back pain, uh, 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 anxiety, sleeplessness. If this is not from you and is diabolic in origin, I ask you to send it back to its source with a tenfold blessing. So now you've taken this, you've re- you, you ask God to discern that this is not from you and it's diabolic, send it back to its source with a tenfold blessing. But if you want me to carry this cross, I willfully accept it. Mm. I ask you for the grace to carry it. And I offer it up. Matthew. Yeah. I offer it up for my brother who's, right. who's left the faith. Yeah. I offer it up for the Pope. I offer right. it up for my pastor. Yeah. So you're now you're entering into the distribution of graces by offering up not just your physical suffering, because suffering takes men forms, as we know. Mm-hmm. Offering up your mental suffering, your unforgiveness, the wounds. If you, so we're dealing with cases of, of, the, of, of, say, psychological trauma, and there's a deep unforgiveness. We start by saying, can you now offer your suffering up for that guy? Yeah. It's going to be hard. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But it's the process. Yeah. But that's... So when you can do that, you're now fighting like an angel. Now you're like an, that's the way the angels bow. Mm-hmm. And so that's why unforgiveness is key. Fantastic. Coming to forgiveness yeah. is very Yeah, key. Yeah, that's a surprising one. Yeah. Forgiveness for number three. Okay, so that's three. We've got two more to go. All right. I'm going to take a quick break here. This video is brought to you by the new St. Thomas Institute. You can learn more at nsti.com. We have full courses on the Old Testament from a Catholic point of view, the New Testament from a Catholic point of view church history, Thomas Aquinas, a lot of the stuff that we've covered today, we cover that all in depth over at the New St. Thomas Institute. So if you want to take online courses, become confident as a Catholic, go to the next level, sign up as a student today. I will be your guide, your coach, your professor. Go to nsti.com and sign up as a student. Okay, that's the first three. We got occult practices, sexual deviancy, unforgiveness. Let's go to number four. Most common sin for demonic activity and possession. Okay, so now when I'm working with cases and they're and we're accompanying them, preparing them for prayer, or we're working with them in between sessions. Okay, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing doing good. I was tracking. So if you start tracking, again, I'm just an old cavalry scout that Our Lady has repurposed and put into this fight. So we'll see this trajectory. It's coming out and then it falls, and then it comes out, and then there's a drop again, and it. You know, so they, 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 something happens here at this point and then they, they start to fall back and then there's something here, fasting, going to confession, I took a day of prayer, shut my phone off for a day and really spent my day in prayer. I went to confession and then I climbed back out and then three days later, you know, 
So I said, right. okay, let's look at that yeah. dot. And we've all experienced those kind of things. So yeah. I said, look at the dot, this spot on the, on the chart. When did this, what happened? Two things normally will cause the drop. The first one is some sort of sexual, you know, falling in sexual sin. Fair enough. Okay. The second one is the sin of detraction. Mm. So the fourth, the fourth sin that, that's very attractive to the devil is the sin, sins against the speech and the catechism. Uh, what is it like 2275? I forget the numbers, but it's you can look it up sins or offenses against the truth. Offenses against yeah. the truth. The sin of detraction is, is committing the sins, re- retelling this, retelling the sins of another person, right? Detraction. Mm. And here's how, here's how, here's what, you know, the, the, the four years of our churches are places of manslaughter. No, full murder. You know, we walk out of the church, oh, Father's homily was horrible. Did you see what she was wearing? Oh my gosh. And see, you know, or we do it this way. You know, you heard about old Joe and Sarah. No. Yeah. I saw him going in to get counseling the other day. Yeah. But pray for them. Right. Pray for them. Right. You can't cover up the sin of attraction by saying pray for them. You've already committed it. Or as we say here in Texas, bless their little heart. Bless their little heart. Yeah. Yeah. Bless Yeah. She's been running all around town (laughs) like a floozy, but bless her little heart. Yeah. What was the saying? What was it? Uh, Say, John Vianney, which one gave the punishment, the, pe- the, uh, the, 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 the penance of, of the pillows? To throw the, 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 the feathers from the pillar, from the pillow, the pillow into, the, into the wind, and then go collect all those feathers. Yeah. Well, how can I do that? They're yeah. everywhere. It's like yeah. when you detract another person's reputation, yeah. you can't get those words, can't get those words back into the pillow. Yeah. So detraction is when it's true, even if it's true. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, well, it's true. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and she slept with every guy in the town. It's true. It's so I can talk about it. Still detract. So, so if it's not, if it's not true, then it's slander. If you do it in writing, it's libel. Yeah. And I and I, and I see this. now, but we have to. I want to make a clarification here. There are cases in which justice demands it. No, no, no. For sure. Yes. For sure. For sure. We're, yeah. We're, if yeah, someone we're, says, you know, leave your child with that person, you can say. Don't no, 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 leave. No, 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 no. There's prudence. Yeah, there's, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Thomas yeah. just very clear. Right. Yeah, but we have the right. We have the 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 obligation to correct. Yeah. If yeah. Father has a bad sermon, that's one thing. But if he teaches outright heresy in his sermon, you yeah. should say, "Well, you know, Father said that that's actually not what the Catholic Church teaches." Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're right. talking here with cases. The large one is the sin of detraction. So right. what happens? Well, every Thursday, my sisters and I get together. We take a break at three o'clock. What do you guys talk about? Our sister-in-law, our brother-in-law, you know, our aunt is, you know, so that sin of the, that, that gossip or sin of attraction mm. is another opening point. Now, here's the principle. The devil looks for the mouth that blesses and curses. Those inconsistencies. What does that mean? That means the mouth that blesses God, right? The mouth that gives praise to God, the mouth that receives God in the Eucharist, right? but also will curse another mm. person, right? Well, uh, um, uh, where has it been? The, the, if you, it, how can you love the God you cannot see if you can't love the brother you do see? So, so, and I'm not talking sugary Jesus love. You know, it's a cross sometimes, but but the sins of the speech is a, is a, is a big one for 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 tracking it. You, what about just straight up blasphemy? Well, that, that's, if you look under the sins offensive against the truth, that's one of them. Blasphemy. Yeah. yeah, 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 and you can you know so cleaning up your language. Yeah. Cleaning up the use of the Lord's, ma- Lord's name in vain. Yeah, I, I just want to take a moment to say, if you say JC, yeah, like you hit your, 
Either you're excited about something, you're upset about it, and you say, JC, you're committing objective, yeah. evil, grave sin. The grave sin, that's a big one. If you say, OMG, that's so funny, why are you invoking God yeah. at that moment? Are you praying? No. Yeah. We need to stop saying, oh my G-O-D, that's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. And you're, God gave you the mouth to praise him, not to make his name trivial. I, I bring this up and sometimes people do this around me and, you know, you can say, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, why would you just say that? It's like, you just took God's name in vain. You got to be careful, you know, with it. But you, we do need to have a standard by which we honor the name of God. And OMG, oh my L-O-R-D, JC. I'm saying this right now. I guarantee you there's hundreds of people watching. like, well, I didn't know that was that, is that wrong. Yeah. Yes, it is wrong. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Holy cow. I, I mean, some of these things have, have religious meaning that are, that are. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so cleaning that up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that's a very base level. Yeah, but which is not to say if you say OMG, you're like walking around possessed. No, 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 we're just exactly. saying, let's be consistent. If we're going to praise the Lord at mass and then go out and say the name of God a hundred times during the next seven days and they're not in the context of praise, but it's just like, OMG, you're so funny or OMG, that's amazing. That's that's yeah. not hallowed. No, no, no. So 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 making that connection is, is learning to clean up the speech is, is something that I've seen. So you see detraction, libel, slander. You know who's the number one detractor? Satan. For sure. His very name means, his, the name Diabolos, the Diabolos. That, so you see that the cast between to divide, that also mm -hmm. means to slander. Yeah. His name means slander. Yes. The, the, and he'll accuse you when it's true. And it means to accuse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so. So you're talking about like the demonic psychology loves to sort of map on and synchronize with the human psychology. So if I'm a person who is a detractor. The demonic, which is detractor, is like, oh, what a perfect home for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because this person is, it, it, you know, again, it's it's walking through a certain neighborhood with the gang colors right there. It's like, oh, I recognize those colors. Right. I'm going to hang out with this guy. Yes. So, so yeah, so that's, that's when you're detracting, when you're dividing, when you're slandering, that's the very essence of the diabolos, the devil. The very name means that. So. So um, another one is, if you look at the offenses against the truth in the Catholic Catechism, it's rash judgment. It falls under the same. There's attraction, libel, slander, gossip, blasphemy, rash judgment. Yeah. Whereas... Um, Explain rash judgment. Rash judgment, by definition, is it's um, um, too quickly assuming the faults of another, mm. is one way of looking at it. Or oftentimes, you'll, in another way of form of rash judgment is, uh, I bet so-and-so is thinking this. I, I bet I bet Dr. Marshall was completely bored with this. I bet he's I bet he's not even like what I'm doing. And I bet you know what I mean. You, what right. soon as you fall into that, I bet what I when I start to say I bet what he's thinking is, right. that's something that the demon moves on because now you've opened yourself out of the objectivity. Yeah, and you're positing malice in the other person without even yeah. really yeah any evidence. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 these are these are very important. And so we can catch these projections, though we can catch them. Um, you know, when we're dealing with marriages, the the first thing that the devil wants to do is to change our perception. Well, the first thing he does is to get us to stop praying together, but he changes our perceptions of our spouse. Mm. Um, Father Ripper uses the analogy. It's a it's a great analogy. I got to give him credit for it. 
Uh, and I have a, a family member that has a cute little pig laugh, you know. And so when your wife, your new wife, she has this cute little giggle and it sounds almost pig-like, you know. And it's the most adorable thing. And after about 10 years, when she laughs, it just grates on you. And when she used to be, when she walked in the room, you have to be touching at all times, right. you know. And after five or 10 years and several fights and a couple of kids, the, the, your spouse walks in the room and it's like, what is she doing in here in a battle axe? Uh, and, and, and objectively speaking, she hasn't changed. She's the same woman. In fact, she's more of a woman to you. She's bore your children. Yeah. But the demon wants to project all those memories of what she said. I bet she's thinking this. And I bet she's thinking that. And she's not. You, you know, or you're, I, right. bet, oh, I bet. I bet my husband's thinking this. Well, what your husband's actually thinking is, man, I hope there's some coffee because I'm really tired. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but that rash judgment is projection, what we think. And once you fall into that, that's when he can start manipulating and the imagination. Because you're story. dealing in a false reality, a false which reality. is what he wants. Yes. Yeah, you're dealing in a false reality. Yeah. And we all know that. So once he can divide those, it's divide and conquer. It's a, it's a classic uh, 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 pincer maneuver, you know, to divide to loop around and overrun. That's the, the, the double envelopment. And the goal of the double envelopment isn't you, isn't your wife. It isn't even your marriage. Because once they can separate you, the envelopment that comes in is the children. Mm, that's, that's scary. Yeah, yeah, it is scary. So, yeah. so many people say, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do the work, you know, to get over this uh, addiction, addiction for not. And I don't belittle anyone struggling with sexual addictions alcohol and other addictions. I don't want to do the work. And I understand it's, it's a cross. But my, my advice is, think of the double envelopment. The, the target is the children. If you cannot, you know, when you, when, you, when you want to fall into this temptation, when the demon's going to project some hurt, some wound, and then he's going to come on the backside of that and give you a solution, which is going to be something sinful usually, uh, interject something. Interject a thought of your children here. Right. Suffer for them. Uh, I quoted. I quoted in the book. Um, Chesterton, Chesterton said that the, the the true soldier fights not for what's in front, not out of hatred of what's in front of him, but out of love of what's behind him. We can't fight the devil out of hatred, because even in that hatred, he right. fuels on. We have to fight him out of love. Yeah. Out of love for those. Yeah, that's like the Emperor Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. It really is. That's what they're trying to get Luke into. Yeah, and and and, and, and that's and, what brings you to the dark side. It, it, I mean, there's some. Truth I mean, Star Wars is not theologically correct. Let me just say that. I will say the Mandalorian is fantastic. There's a lot. I like Mandalorian. There's a lot of good principles for you yeah. know. It's not. It's not. It's yeah. it's not a philosophy. It's a you know weapons aren't a philosophy. Right. It's a religion. Yeah, you know. There's some good. Uh, yeah, this is the way. I'm a, I'm personally a Jedi of a contest. I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe anything after. Return of the Jedi is yeah. valid or legitimate, yeah. except maybe for Mandalorian. Yeah, anything after the part six to me is invalid and utterly null and void. So I'm a Jedi of a contest in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Mandalorian is pretty solid. Yeah, I, it, yeah. There's somebody. Somebody sent me a meme, and it was a a picture of a of a of a rusted out um um uh, uh you know like a ga gas tank for your grill, mm -hmm. all rusted out. And then the Mandalorian helmet next to it. And it said, my soul before confession. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. What would you say about the, the, the Star Trek, the, the Trekkies? It, it, can you weigh in on this? the new what? Yeah. The, new, the new series? The guys are either Star Trek. The, or the brand new Star series Trek. or the new movies? 
the the new series or the the the, the, the whole program in general. Uh, I, I I like Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, Picard. Yeah, and I like some of the original. Yeah, I've never really gotten into anything after that epic. I'm more of just the Next Generation. Yeah, I did like the J.J. Uh, Abrams some of those movies. I thought they did some creative, yeah. like The Wrath of Khan and all that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, the, but I, as a philosopher, Star Wars is kind of juvenile. Star Trek is actually profoundly deep in places. I agree. Star Trek really yeah. does get into real philosophy, human psychology, problems, cosmic discussions. Star Wars, you know, you kind of lose me at the Ewok level. That's why I'm a Jedi. Jar Jar Binks was over the top. Yeah, yeah. It's invalid. Yeah, yeah. Jar Jar is utterly known. Jedi Vicantes. Yeah. I love that. Jedi Vicantes. There, there was one star, one of the original Star Wars. Star Trek. Um, 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 who was the with the with the ears? I'm sorry, Spock. Spock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Spock. Spock. It was either Spock or it was another one from his planet. So Spock uh, came up with a, a way of a certain hold, and if you and once you received oh the pinch, there was a yeah. pinch, but it removed your suffering. Yeah, there was a, an episode. Yes. I, now we're, we're spitballing here, so right. forgive me. Right. But I, but I remember Kirk says, everybody was doing this and they were living this utopian existence seemingly. And he says, in typical Kirk fashion, I need my pain. Yes. I, it means when I have pain, I know that I'm still alive. I'm still yeah. human, you know. And So so we give you, we got to get back to track. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Our show on exorcism turned into like a Trekkie convention. Yeah. But I just want to drop this for everybody. Spock is the intellect without the lower faculties and passion. Yeah. And Kirk is the lower passion, ma mainly fortitude, the irascible passions, yeah. Thomas Aquinas, which is your strength, your battle, your courage. And what's interesting is those two together would give you, as long as it's sanctified, would give you the integrated virtuous person. Yeah. That's what's interesting about Star Trek is those two signify the different the different levels of the soul yeah right and and that's why they as a team everybody relates to them and why a lot of good philosophies worked out because of that okay we gotta get we gotta get back to but, it, but that's that's key though and and is is grace builds on nature yes saint thomas says and so and so prayer helps reorder the faculties it helps mm -hmm. bring the perfect, when you unite yourself to Christ in prayer, you, you, you begin to heal the, the wounded faculties through, through fasting, through, through, through penance. We're not talking, you not to do these crazy stuff, small little things. Right. St. Therese. What about St. Simon Stylini? Yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah, they lived on a, He lived on top of a pole. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes... You recommend that? No. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, sometimes the harder things are sitting next to a huge guy on an airplane. You know, yeah, a guy that just it, it, they're just learn, leaning, over. leaning over. You know, for me, I'm allergic to peanuts. That's my one allergy. Yeah, and when I'm on an airplane, they bring the peanuts out. I'm just because yeah. I just smell the fumes recirculated in the airplane. Yeah, for like an hour and a half of peanuts. Yeah, it's rough. Well, it's because of guys like you. We don't get peanuts in airplanes anymore. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, you got crusade against them. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's if you look at the life of Saint Therese, the little flower, um, doctor of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, she enters Carmel at age 15 with special dispensation. She lived 
homeschooled, kept life, yep. um, never really went outside of Carmel except for a, a trip to Rome to ask permission from the Pope to enter. She dies at age 21, 22. She was six, seven yeah. years, something it, like that. In the convent. In a convent. Yeah. She's a doctor of the church, co-patroness of foreign missions. Yes. St. Francis Xavier, who baptized, they say, millions. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, that he would complain about how tired his arm was from, from just, baptizing From people. just doing this motion. Yeah. Millions of people baptized. She's co-patroness. Yeah. How can that be? It's absurd. Unless you understand the logic the logic of suffering in union, the power of suffering in union with Christ, mm. you know. And so Therese, offering the smallest little things is what she taught in Carmel. Small little things, sitting next to a, a, a sister that had a horrible voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, one of the sisters pin, pinned her, her, her habit on her, her veil and it pinched into her head and she left it there all day and offered that. You know, little things, a rock falls right. into your shoe today. What do you do? Ah, I gotta get the rock out. No, leave it in there. Leave it in there for an hour and offer it up for somebody that you're having a hard time forgiving. Yeah. It's like Michael Jordan. There was a famous story of Michael Jordan and a rookie. This rookie gets into a game, and 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 uh, at the very end of the game, Jordan scores 70 points. They finally take him out at 70 points. The rookie gets in. He shoots. He gets fouled. He shoots one end of a, of a one and one on one and one. So he so he scores one point. Rookie first game he ever played in the NBA. And a guy uh, they asked him after the game. So what was it like, you know, getting in the game? You know, when Michael Jordan set the NBA record of 70 points in one game, and he says, man, I'll never forget the day that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 71 points yeah. in a single game. <laughs> so that's, that's nothing compared right. to our suffering. We combine with the redemptive, the eternal redemptive act of Christ. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a drop of water, right. but it becomes efficacious. Correct. Yeah. And he calls us for that. He, he desires he, he that. Calls it, he calls us for that. Yeah. yeah. And, and who, are we to, who are we to condemn? Right. With a sin, who are we to condemn? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're quick to condemn others when we go to confession and we say, well, Father, I was really tempted to this. I'm really struggling with this. Are you struggling with it? Or, is it, or did you do it? Right. Yeah. I know or I, a lot of priests say they'll come in like, this is what my spouse did. And okay, well, Thank this you. is your confession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for telling me about your wife. Right. Or about your, yeah. tell me about your Aunt Tilly. I'm glad right. you know all about her sins. Yeah. About yours. Yeah. yeah. So being able to, to, to judge yourself in, in preparation, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, preparation for the, for the final judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So this leads us to sin number five on demonic influence, obsession, and possession. Number three and number four surprised me. I got to say. Yeah. I, you know, I knew if you get into the occult, possessions likely, sexual deviancy, forgiveness, unforgiveness, okay, and now detraction. You got another surprise for us for number five? Yeah, this is the knuckleball of of of, uh, of pitches. Okay, and it's heresy. That another premise: the demon enters through sin, but he holds through heresy. So. So oftentimes the entry point is some uh, uh, a deep sin, you know, the the the, the, the occult activity, mm -hmm. deviant sexual behavior, rejection of God. We're not talking about uh, an off blasphemy. We're talking about a complete hatred and rejection of God. Mm. But the holding point. So so getting that separation, you need a moral separation from the sin, psychological separation. So working through the through trauma, integrating your your trauma by offering your suffering up in union with Christ's suffering, offering up your one bucket with Christ's eternal sacrifice. But then the final one is un, un, um, unholding all 
thoughts contrary to the revealed truth yeah. of the Roman Catholic. So, so we need to discuss what is heresy. It's an obstinate rejection of revealed truth yeah. as defined. And you're a Greek scholar. Yeah. Hereomai, isn't that the yeah, yeah. isn't that the verb root? Yeah, it means to choose, to yeah. pick and choose. I you know, St. Paul says it and I think it's it's in Corinthians, um, there must be heresies among you, right? Yeah. So the way of truth may be known more clearly. So it's to pick and choose. I'll choose this. I like God is love. Yeah. I like God is merciful. I like Jesus was born poor. I like all that. But I don't like this teaching over here about sex before marriage or sodomy. Yeah. So I'm going to go down the Luby's line and I'm going to pick those things, but I'm going to reject those things. Choosing a custom made religion, like getting custom golf clubs yeah. that are perfect for, you know, what I think is going to, that's not acceptable. Yeah. That is a form of demonic pride because Satan, I'm sure, believes that God is all powerful and all, but he doesn't accept certain attributes of God or the way yeah. God was going to accomplish. You believe God is one. The devils believe that in Trump. That's right. Yeah. So, so, um, so heresy is picking and choosing your own custom form of Christianity. Yeah. And we, as opposed to Catholicos. Right. Ascent, the ascent of the will, intellect and will is sent. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. My first draft, uh, Father Ripper did the peer, peer review for the book. And I use the word surrender a lot. And he said in his review, he said, you know, in tradition, it's not surrender. It's, it's uh, conformity. Mm. So interesting distinction. Again, the Thomas, let us distinguish. You know? Yes. So, so as I was thinking about it, and then I had lunch with, uh, with the guys at Tan Books. They're fantastic guys. I had lunch with those guys. And they said, hey, we got a book for you. And it was uh, Blessed Claude, or is it St. Claude Columbia? Yeah. Trustful surrender. Trustful surrender to divine providence. I was like, well, that then it, 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 it. It's funny when you said that, I immediately thought of that myself. Exactly. Yeah. So I opened the book up and I read it. And every Catholic I know has this in their bookshelf. It's a small yes. little pamphlet. On it's a hard book to read. It's a hard book to read. And it's not and and, and it's and there's a translation issue from the issue from the French because to the to the to the English because he's not talking about surrender, he's talking about conformity. Really? And so when you when you really look at it, it isn't just I can surrender, I can tell you in the military. You know, I could have a commander call me into his office. Schneider, get your butt in here. Okay. And I go in there, stand at attention. He rips me. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll take care of it. I walk out of there and I'm gritting my teeth. I'm biting my tongue. I'm going to surrender. Yeah. To his will because I don't want to end up in Leavenworth. Right. I'll surrender. I don't want to get, I don't want to lose rank. I, right. I want to get promoted. But that's not conformity. But you're not going to conform to his will. Conformity of wills yeah. is the doing it because God wants it. Yeah. And that means every single thing of your day, it goes back to what we talked about, Therese, every part of your day, there is, a, there is an opportunity for grace, seeing every moment of the day as opportunity to overcome some vice, to offer something up, and to add something to, to, to the distribution of graces that Christ himself won for us on Calvary. Yeah. And so conformity, and so the conformity isn't just to the inconveniences, the rocks and the shoes, delays in traffic, right, the embarrassing moments. Conformity also is to the revealed truths of the Catholic faith. Yeah. And so we're working with cases, and there's always, and I can tell you this, I think Father's, Father Ripper's used 85% as a number, um, but in nearly every case of possession. Now, this isn't to say if you're possessed, if you do this, you're possessed, mm -hmm. but there's always a holding. There's two elements of holding and, and possession that need to clear out, but there's the majority of time there's some 
heresy centered around one of the revealed dogmas of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, the, you were telling this before we started shooting, yeah. and I found this so fascinating that it's not just it, heresy is all bad, but in this particular, it's heresy about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in the Catholic Church, we have four dogmas about the Blessed Virgin Mary. I think we should we should go through them. Maybe we just go back and forth tennis. Right. So first one is that Mary is Theotokos. She's the mother of God. That doesn't mean that Mary is the mother of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or that Mary is the eternal goddess generator of divine essence. What it means is in history, at a certain point in time, the angel of the Lord declared to Mary, she consented, let it be done to me according to thy word. And she conceived in her womb of the Holy Ghost, the second person of the Trinity, who is God the Son. Yeah. So she didn't give birth to, to just a human something. She didn't give birth to a human nature. She gave, per, she gave birth to a person who is a divine person, God. So if you deny that, you are denying, and, and we know this from like mystics like Maria Greta, the tradition is God showed the vision of Revelation chapter 12 to the angels at the beginning. My son is going to be born of a woman. And the demon said, no, that's dumb. Yeah. I will not serve that. And a third of them fall. That's in the book of Revelation chapter 12. So the rejection of that reality of Marius Theotokos, God-bearer, mother of God, that is a satanic play in theology. So I'm assuming rejecting that. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. go with another one. Four, well, 431 AD, Council of Ephesus. Yes. They do the syllogism, right? Everyone who's taken theology studies the Ephesus syllogism. Right. Jesus, Mary is the mother of Jesus. Jesus is God. Mary is the mother of God. Yeah. One point on that I, that, that I find fascinating, and uh, I think it was, we were talking about Father Calloway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's got a book. Um, he's got a book. He's written several good books, but he, he, he discovered a phenomenon in modern times um, called a fetal microchimerism. Okay. Yes. And a chimera is, it's, it's a crossing of, this is from the Greek chi, the X. And it's a crossing over of genes. So a chimera is a, is a beastie figure. You know what I right. mean? In, 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 in lore and myth, yep. mythology. But, in, but this, you can look this up. A, a fetal microchimerism. How the cells of a child are found in the mother. Even if that child never came to full uh, a birth. Um, the cells of a child are found in the mother decades after. Yes. The fetal cells. And they find that those cells are militating towards health, uh, maternal function, uh, um, they, uh, um, breast, uh, 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 pr producing breast milk and other maternal functions, um, fighting against wounds, mm -hmm. battling. They'll find these cells in wounds, fighting against uh, cancer right. or sicknesses. The, the children cells. Yes. Fetal cells in the mother. Yeah. No, decades later. Decades later. Now imagine. Yes. If the cells that are in you. Yeah are God-man cells. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, literally the blood, and there's also commingling of, of blood, they say, as well. You yeah. know, and so you... Mary is biologically, of course, by faith connected to Christ, but she's biologically yeah. connected yeah. to Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
He didn't. There was a heretic named Valentinus who said that Jesus entered the world through Mary as water through a straw. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. Yeah. He was conceived of the Virgin Mary. Yeah. I mean, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So, okay, so you got to believe in that. Immaculate Conception. All right. So why don't you explain that one? The Immaculate Conception is, is, is sine macula, without stain, right? So she was conceived without stain. Yeah, macula is a stain. Immaculate like macular stain. degeneration. Right. Yeah. I, I was, I was we're, we're doing some catechesis uh, with a case, full possession, okay? And so um, uh, the, 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 the words that come to mind, I, we're, Kyle and I were training to the priest in the diocese once, and we were having lunch with the bishop, and the bishop once trained with Father Candido Amantini, and, uh, who was Father Amor's, Father Gabriel Amor's chief actress of Rome. He was his teacher. And so they were, he was a, a young, young priest at the time, and they were doing an exorcism, and the, and the, and the, the, uh, the demon manifests and says to the exorcist, I would absolutely destroy you if it weren't for the lady in blue standing behind you. So when I'm doing these catechetical cases, that I can tell you that reality is true. You can feel that, sense it, I should say. It's a, it's a perception. Our lady's holding him back. Why? So I'm, I'm in one particular case, the, the, the persons, we're just doing catechetical work. We're just talking to them. And there was just a slight, you could tell the demon was getting agitated. It was at the Feast of the Annunciation, so I knew I had a certain amount of, Grace behind me. I had a couple extra squadrons, so to speak, you know. So I was explaining. I said, look, here's a pit. And all humanity falls into this pit. Right. And so. A sin. The sin, the original sin of our first parents. And so, and so there's two ways you could be, you could, you could survive the pit. One, the merits of Christ pulls you out. The cross of Jesus Christ pulls you out of the yeah. pit. And that's what Calvary does. But there's one other way that, that you can do this that you could be preserved in, in a unique way by the merits of Christ on Calvary, God who was out of time could apply those merits to you and at the moment of your conception be prevented from any sin originating. From falling into the pit. Falling into the pit. Yeah. And so I'm explaining... Which it. would be the most perfect way to save someone. Right. And I'm explaining this and it goes back to Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the serpent, between the woman and the serpent, between yeah. her seed a seed of a woman? How can that be? Prophets will flush that out. Yep. Between her seed and the serpent. And so that total enmity means there is nothing in her. Because if Jesus was like us and always accept sin, right? says in Hebrews, and the effect, it says in Revelation, is sin, the effect of the fall is sin and death. Well, not Revelation, but Romans 5. If Jesus like us and always accepts sin, he had to inherit a perfectly sinless nature. So I'm laying down this DDT, devil-defeating theology, right? right. And, the, and the demon starts to manifest with this, this young woman and looks at me and says, yeah, 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 preservative redemption. We preservative redemption, done SCOTUS. I heard it. I got it. It's like, wow. And that's where I, I wasn't yeah. going to use dun, blessed done SCOTUS. Right. But and, the and, demon knew done SCOTUS. He was done SCOTUS. Yeah. And he knew the phrase Just, preservative yeah, redemption. 1300s. 1300. Yeah. He starts listing off. Yeah, 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 yeah I've heard. Got it. Yeah, he already knows. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, the demon knows better theology than yeah. than than you than yeah. the most learned of scholars. Right, yeah. and so. it makes sense. You think about how sacred the Ark of the Covenant was, the details that went into it with the gold yeah. and the acacia wood, and who can touch it and who can't touch it. Yeah. Lots of rules. Yeah. Right in Exodus, yeah, yeah. Leviticus, 
And then that was just a box to hold the 10 commandments. And then you think about Mary, who's the Ark of the New Covenant, Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, all the way through chapter 12. And she is commingling DNA, right? And giving, providing human nature to God, the son, she would be gilded, not with gold. She would be gilded with the Holy spirit, with righteousness, with sanctification, a, a, a tabernacle or an Ark of the covenant worthy to contain not just the 10 commandments, the word and stone, but the word made flesh. The, the, manna, the manna, but the bread of life. The manna come down from heaven. So this is all the church fathers, Ephraim the Syrian, all these, they, they're seeing that Our Lady is without stain, that she is yeah. a, she is the perfect mother. God is her savior. She says that in the Magnificat, God, my savior, but she's saved in a preventative way, Duns Scotus, 1300. Sure. Yeah. She's saved in a, in a more perfect way than we are saved. So she stands with us. God is my savior, but she is in her sanctity excels that of all the angels and saints combined. An entire, the language of, of several of the popes and decrees in the church and an, an entirely unique holiness. Yeah. It's holy so holy. if you're going to deny that and say, she's just like another sinful human woman, Satan, she didn't have enmity with Satan. Satan had a hold on her because she was a sinner. You are again handing over yourself to the demons well you're, you're you have a commonality yeah a common rejection yeah 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 okay so third marion well, if you think of that if, if the effect of the fall says saint paul is sin and death because of one man's sin adam sin and death enter the world so that um through him all all have sinned right and so the effect of the fall is sin and death um then if she was preserved from original sin in a wholly unique way, in a preservative way, that's the immaculate conception. Yeah. But if the second effect of the fall as, as Eve or new Eve, and we, we already had this concept of Eve, um, uh, uh, the concept of, of new Eve already being, this is what brought Cardinal Newman into the church. It was in Gaul. He cites off, he lists Gaul, Africa, uh, Palestine, Rome. He lists off all of the other church fathers that were, already calling Eve by the third century, fourth century, already calling her as Titus as a second new Eve. Calling Mary Eve. Mary as, as a new yep. Eve, yeah. So at the second effect of the fall, she's preserved. The first effect was sin. She couldn't suffer. She was preserved from sin. But the second effect is the corruption of bodily death at the end right. of earthly life. She was assumed into heaven. It's just a natural... Yes. Which is another Marian dogma, Mary. the assumption of Mary. What's interesting though, if you look at, if you look at uh, Luke's gospel in particular, um, when, when, when there's several parallels between David that brings in the ark in second Samuel six and you know, how long the ark was with David yeah. in the house of Abednego, the Gittite for three months, Mary was here. It was in the hill country of Judah. And then the hill country, David goes, there's six or seven really cool parallels there that when David brings the ark, cause they used the ark in battle and the ark was, they would, then it started, they got superstitious and we Christians fall into superstition sure. too, right? Yeah. You know, we, we, we want, we want a quick. God that makes it happen fast for us as right. opposed to just taking no for an answer, especially as Americans. Right? Yes. So, so brings the ark in. There's several parallels, you know, dancing before the Lord, the same word that, that when, when um, John the Baptist danced, leapt, that dancing and leaping, the reward for rejoice and Magnificat, um, David does a canticle, Mary does a canticle. There's several very, very distinct verbal parallels that suggest that Luke is saying 
we have the new ark. Yes. Uh, the, the new covenant coming, it, you know, that's going to bear and bring God like the ark was the bearer of God. And then when Elizabeth says, and it says Elizabeth cried out, right? And, and in Texas, you could almost say she hollered, you know, yeah. but she didn't holler. She intoned. Yeah. The Greek word there is the exact same word as the, the singers, the cantors, the, the sacred cantors that chanted before the ark. Wow. They, they intoned. She intones before the ark. Now that's a, you know, there's, there's nuances there. So yep. there's a symbolic meaning. Yes, she cries out, but that same word can mean intone. And so we see this ark of the covenant, the holiness, because she bears God. Yeah. She bears God. Yeah. And so at the end of her life, assumed into heaven. Right. And then the, the fourth one that we didn't hit is that Mary oh, is. Way, we see this in Revelation chapter 12. Exactly. You see in Revelation chapter 11. Standing above 18, the moon. Yeah. We, you know, the, and I've seen this in session where even just a priest or deacon reading at Revelation eleven nineteen through Revelation 12 causes a tremendous amount of pain. As you alluded to earlier, yeah. uh, how, um, how we see this epic battle between the serpent, Michael, and now the woman to give birth. Right. Yeah. The woman, just like the woman at the foot of the cross, the woman at, at Cana. Cana, the woman, I would put enmity not between the, this, uh, the offspring of E, right. woman, woman, that's a theologically packed term. Yeah. The mother of the redeemer assumed in heaven, bodily in heaven, we see in revelation chapter 12. Yeah. And so, so the, this is the, again, we see this cosmic battle, this cosmic pay-per-view, if you will, right there in revelation, but it, if there's no, there were no, as you know, there were no chapters and verses this came much later Correct. so eleven nineteen, john says i see a great sign a great sign in the sky peals of thunder lightning these are all manifestations of a theophany of the presence of god right which yep. which the liturgically the chanting these other things would 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 echo theophany of god's appearance among us so he sees this he says i, I see the the cosmos reacting god is present and i see his ark yeah and then verse 1, 11, 19, and then the next verse. And there's the woman, clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet. Yeah. An image very, very, very akin to Our Lady of Guadalupe in yeah. Revelation. What does she say to Juan Diego? Am I not your mother? You're yeah. merciful. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the one more Marian dogma is Mary is ever virgin. She is virgin before the conception and birth of Christ, during the conception and birth of Christ, and after yeah which means she and Joseph did not have children. Yeah. Uh, the brothers and sisters are accounted by the church fathers as uh, relatives, cousins. For example, Abraham says of Lot that he is his brother, but elsewhere in scripture, we know that they are uncle and nephew. Yeah. This is just a Hebrew Semitic way of referring to family members yeah. as if, brothers. If you marry an Italian, you'll know what that is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a clan thing. Right. A hillbilly in Ohio. Yeah. It's a clan thing. Yeah. And, it's and, a clan and thing. Here we are far, far away in time and space and even more in the Semitic culture. We have to let the Bible speak for itself. We have to let them yeah, speak in the for that culture. Terms. For that culture. For that culture. And, and then the slam dunk is why, if he had four brothers and some sisters, why is it when he's dying on the cross, he looks down at John yeah. and says, behold your mother and entrust his mother to John when he's if he's got a bunch of other, if there's a bunch of other sons and daughters, they can take care of Mary. Yeah, that would be a violation so why, of, 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 of the of mosaic? Exactly. Yeah. So the, so John takes takes care of of Mary because she has no. And, other and the, the word used there, the Greek phrase, and John took him 
the Greek aistaidia, into his stuff, into his possessions. You know, yeah. you've got kids. Right. You're going to hear this sound. By the end of the weekend, you're going to hear this sound. Mom, what? She's in my room. Yeah. What's she doing? She's in my stuff. Yeah. Right? She's this nothing left, stripped naked, being dying on the cross. He has one thing left, his mother. And yeah. John takes her into his possession. Yeah. Not just into his home, mm. where we had the, the delineation of duties. All right, you're going to sleep over here. I'll sleep over here. Right. You get Tuesdays, Thursday, Friday meals. You know, we'll take turns on yeah. Tuesday night's garbage night. You know, no, yeah. he takes you into his very position. Right. So, so the devil and the demons want to thwart and deny these truths about Mary. And this is something that I found fascinating as I studied possession literature is that the demons, of course, hate and are fearful of Jesus Christ, but they are particularly annoyed and defeated and humbled at the mention of the Virgin Mary. And this goes back to the idea, I want you to expand on this, that Satan, he fell because Jesus was gonna be born of a woman. He comes to earth, the first thing he sees is Adam and Eve, he's like, that woman, I'm gonna go get her. He didn't go talk to Adam, he goes and talks to the woman, right? And then Christ enters into this world through the woman, the virgin woman. So he is humiliated by this reality, by her place in this whole story, it is just so humiliating that he's getting beat up by a girl. Yeah. And so he's going to go after heresy, false belief, by attacking and denigrating her. If you look at the 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 um, the, the language of Genesis three fifteen, you know the, what we call the Proto Evangelion, mm -hmm. the first gospel, the first. Um, prediction prophecy of a redeemer a promised redeemer if you look at the hebrew it says you know who will crush the head it doesn't just say crush the head or it doesn't say step on the head grind down he will strike at your heel she will grind down so the hebrew says it could be he or she or they right uh the greek uh out on he yes. the latin jerome uh jerome's latin she 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 will crush and it isn't that it isn't that. And Maimonides, the medieval rabbi, says she. Right. She. He That's says closer to the Hebrew. He says the Hebrew is she shall crush the head. Right. Yeah. But so which one is it, or is it both? I I, I think. Give us the I biblical think, take on it. I, I think the biblical take is you have to you have to read all three in context. Right. And you and you have to read them together. And this points us to her her work with the redeemer. Yes. She will be with the, the woman will be with the redeemer who crushes it and together mm -hmm. crushes the head of the serpent. Right. And so this is why he recoils against her at, 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 at every extraction. There's a palpable presence. Yeah. If he wasn't going to serve Jesus born of a woman, he's going to be really, really humiliated when he is ultimately defeated yeah. by this combo team yeah. of not, he's going to say, okay, yeah, the son of God can defeat me. He's, eternal uh, yeah. consubstantial with the father but you're bringing her in as a tag team yeah that's embarrassing yeah no i've heard i've heard uh uh you know oh her every time you guys call her the priest is invoking the virgin every time you call her she comes mm -hmm. she wraps her mantle around she's the spouse of god mm -hmm. I, the crazy stuff that you hear again better theology than most theologians say they get the reality of who she is in her essence, an entire unique holiness. 
to a warrior queen. Because what did they do with the Ark of the Covenant? They brought it to battle. Right. It's, it, it bears the presence of God. Yeah, it defeats the enemies. Yeah. yeah. They went seven times around the city. They blew seven trumpets. By the way, the seven trumpets in the apocalypse, you can read my book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. The seven trumpets in the apocalypse lead up to this theophany with the Ark of the Covenant, the Blessed Virgin Mary. All these Old Testament things are happening, and they're fulfilled in the New Covenant. So, Father Ripper, I've said, and I've quoted this many times, that the, that the Virgin Mary has total course of power over the demon. That's a hard thing for people to hear, especially if you have no devotion to her. Right. That is a hard thing. But in the tradition of the church, if you read what the lives of the saints and the writings of the saints, they echo this. Because of her perfect purity and her perfect conformity, mm-hmm. not surrender, conformity to the will of God, because yeah. God wanted it. Yeah. The woman at Canaan, when she looks to Jesus... And says, there's no more wine. Jesus says, of course, some of the translations, what's that got to be between you and me, woman? Yeah. My hour's not come yet. Right. Back off. But the Greek literally is, ti amoi kai soi. What is mine is yours. What is to me is to you. Yeah. It's a dative of possession. Could be read in this way. Mm-hmm. What is mine is yours. And the second half could actually be read as an interrogative expecting an affirmative answer. My hour has not come now, yet has it. Right. Perfectly valid translation from mm-hmm. what is mine is yours yeah. it, has my hour now come yeah and she says immediately she turns to the disciples or turns to the head waiter and says do whatever he tells you yeah that's echoing. her that's her response her response do whatever he tells you to do echoing now we're going to geek out but echoing sinai whatever the lord says we will do mm. right also the only other place in scripture that i, that I can recall okay that in Cana, it doesn't say it's the third day, first, second, third. It says literally the day, the third. The other time that we hear that in scripture is at Sinai. On the, I want you to wash yourselves. And on yes. the day, the third, I will, I will reveal myself to you. And God comes down the mountain and gives the law. And so we have a new creation, a new Sinai. You have this, you know, seven days of creation, the next day, the next day, the yeah. next day. In John 1, 26, yep. 34, et cetera. Now we're on the seventh day, which is the third day. And then there's the third day, the day the third, a new revelation, self-revelation of God is taking place in a new creation, bringing about through wine, water turned into wine. I mean, the symbolism is mind-blowing. Yeah. And the, and the and who's centerpiece? The mother of Jesus. In John's right. gospel, when you repeat a word. That's his first miracle. Yeah. The first manifestation. His first building. Yeah. There was a wedding feast of Cana. And the mother of Jesus was there. Yeah. And Jesus and the apostles. They were yeah, yeah. Also. yeah. But she's the center focus, the whole right. drama here. And then John's gospel ends, and there she is at the foot of the cross. So it's just the beginning of his public ministry, the end of his public ministry, the woman. Right. The, the woman and the woman. And then one other place, and actually the apostles at Pentecost. All right. She's present. Yeah, there's the apostles and she's there. Yeah, there's the, the Ark of the Covenant again. Yeah. With the, the indwelling presence of God. Yeah. Of the, of the Holy Ghost coming down coming on the down. new temple. In the new temple. The with, with the Ark present. That's why she's icon of the church. Yes. Yeah. She's icon of the church. So if you look at like the Song of Songs, for example, we have, we have the, the, the in, 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 in the Jewish uh, uh, Midrash, they would read the Song of Songs as the nuptial union between God and Israel at Sinai. Mm-hmm. Or... 
the indwelling presence of God in the temple yeah. or the messianic fulfillment of humanity in the times. Well, in, in Christianity, as the, in the Benedictine tradition, we begin to read the Song of Songs in light of Christ. We, instead of God in Israel, it's Christ in the church. Yeah. Instead of God is indwelling at tabernacle presence, the Shekinah glory presence in the tabernacle, it's Christ in the soul. Yeah. But then instead of the eschatological fulfillment at the end of time, in the perfection and fulfillment of humanity, in, messianic, in the messianic day, it's Christ and Mary. Mm-hmm. Symbolizes that that is perfect purity, virginal purity, but also maternity. Yeah. Sancter Mater Ecclesia. Yeah. She's an icon of the church, a virgin bride of from Yeah. It's beautiful. It's good stuff. Tell us about the book, Dr. Dan Schneider, The Liber Cristo Method, a field manual for spiritual combat. I'm sure people are watching. They just got a big download on spiritual battle. Uh, why do they need this book? Yeah, there's a lot of books uh, and authors writing about the problems of the devil. We all know the devil. Turn yep. the news on. You know? right. And you'll find out, go down, to, go down to Target and look at the kids' clothing aisles and you can see what's right. going on. Go, 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 go look at Bud Light and see what, what the darkness mm-hmm. is in the world. So this is not a book of problems. This is a book of solutions. So yeah. it's just based on, on my experience, but also building on the theology and experience of Father Ripperger and Kyle Clement and founded Liber, Liber Cristo. Liber Cristo was kind of a crassus of Latin. That means the free man in Christ, a, a freedom in and through by Christ. And so it's a 12-lesson program to kind of walking through and uncovering areas that, we've, that you've allowed the enemy into your life. It's a, it's a manual to teach uh, combat. Uh, I used, uh, I mean, I mentioned I used my Rogers Rules for Rangers as the Ranger Handbook, which is the, 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 the foundational book for the U.S. Army Rangers. Uh, and guerrilla warfare. How to use guerrilla warfare tactics in the spiritual realm and how do we tap in? We fight an ancient enemy and the ancient weapons are best. And how do we tap into the ancient weapons? And, and so these are some of the ancient weapons. We talked about some of them today, but these yeah. are some of the ancient weapons that, that we've, been, we've been battling the enemy for a long time. Yeah. So this is areas that we yeah. go through, but also teaches you how to pray. Yeah. Weapons, to, tactics. Weapons and tactics. Yeah. This is more of a tactical man. Yes. If you look at the Ranger Handbook, this is how you put, tie together, you use scrap articles to make debt court yep. this is how you set up a defensive perimeter this is how you do an, make an ied uh, out of this you know these devices that devices so it's, it's awesome. a tactical handbook that that that's applied uh, um so it was something that, right. that I, I i try to make it it's not a it's not a textbook um uh-huh. it, it it you know it was a tough walk for me i had to have father riberger's a, a peer mm-hmm. review uh i had to pass nihal opstad and imprimatur but also make it readable for the average catholic yeah. so I, I, so hopefully i pulled that off but you yeah you, know, you can get it at 10 books. Excellent. Yeah, we'll put the uh, direct link below the video. Click on it. Get a copy. Definitely worth it for you. Well, Dr. Dan Schneider. Dr. Marshall. Great show. Great show. Great show. Me, Fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, check out NSTI.com. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. Thanks for watching. If you like this video, check out this next video on the seven archangels and the end times.